All right, everybody, you are welcome to return to your seats. It is so good to be able to greet people and make connections and see new faces. I love it. It's awesome. It's so good. Welcome again to Bethany. Uh, Again, if I don't know you, my name's Travis, and uh, I'm so glad you're here this morning. This is a great way to start the new year together. Uh, Please take a moment and fill out the welcome card. Uh, You should have had one of those in the bevy of paperwork that was there in your bulletin this morning. Uh, What we want is just name and email address. That allows us to add you to our email list, which we do use, but we don't spam. We want to send you stuff that we think is helpful, that we think will help uh, draw people into community. Uh, Megan wrote our uh, newsletter this last week, and it was just a great kind of reflection on stuff that God's been doing in her life. So I want to encourage you to connect with us uh, through that way. Uh, And if you're new especially, please hang out for a minute uh, in the lobby afterwards. Just follow the smell of coffee. Uh, And I'll be there, and I'd love to greet you personally and just welcome you to our community. Uh, As we worship this morning, we are in a season where we're highlighting a ministry that serves all the different Bethany churches, which is really cool. We do a lot of things individually as our various congregations, and then we do a lot of things together. And one of the things we do together is a ministry called Stephen Ministry. Bill is here from Stephen Ministry. Bill, could you stand up, please? Everybody say hi, Bill. Bill attends Bethany Greenlake. He's been involved with Stephen Ministry for a while now, and he's here to share after the service about what Stephen Ministry is, what they do to provide confidential care to people in various seasons in life. Uh, So to help kind of set the table uh, for that ministry, I'd love for you to watch this video that highlights Stephen's ministry. In John 13, 34, Jesus says, Love one another as I have loved you. This verse is at the center of Stephen ministry, that we are to love one another as Christ loves us. Stephen ministry provides confidential one-on-one care to individuals who are experiencing a tough season in their lives. Trained caregivers come alongside men and women to listen, encourage, support, and pray for them as they seek healing and strength in the midst of the challenges they face. A great number of our people in our churches and in our pews are hurting day by day and week by week. I think it's critical as a church that even as we're gathering people and loving each other on Sundays and through our small groups, that we address and care for and love people as they're going through the darkest, hardest seasons of their life. I really like the idea of you know God working through me to help others. That's the whole point of Stephen's ministry is that we care, God heals. Coming alongside someone in crisis is one of the most important things we can do as a church and one of the tangible ways we live into Jesus' calling to love as He first loved us. With all of the busyness and distractions in our world today, perhaps now more than ever, we need people who are willing to consistently show up, sit with, listen to, and encourage those who need it most. I think I'd seen so much transformation in my own life from having one-on-one care. I was just kind of automatically drawn to the possibility of Stephen ministry. Everyone can do that. That's the beauty of it. Everyone has the tools. It's Christ-like caring, but at the end of the day, it's just listening. Over the years, we have heard countless stories of men and women who have rediscovered hope, peace, and purpose while meeting with their Stephen minister. Being a caregiver is an incredible opportunity to demonstrate the love of Christ in transformative ways as we seek to be the church together.
So again, if you are interested in becoming a trained caregiver in Stephen Ministry, there's an informative dessert coming up on January 14th. Also, if you need someone to pray with you and meet with you and to hear what's been going on in your life, I'd encourage you to talk to Bill about that or any of the trained Stephen ministers that are here this morning. Now we're going to take up our morning offering, and as we do that, I'm going to invite Ryan Winkleman to join me up here to read our scripture. Ryan serves on our local advisory team. So as he reads the psalm for us this morning, you'll see the offering plates going around. Uh, Please uh, feel free to give and feel free to abstain from giving if uh, you're new or if this isn't a regular part of your discipleship. Uh, I am so grateful uh, for each and every one of you and for the generosity of this church. So let's pray for our offering. Lord, this is your time for us to respond in the generosity that you've first given to us. We want to be like you. And we never can be because of our sin and our brokenness, but we know that by being generous, you free us. So may we take steps into freedom, whether we give through the offering plate or giving online. Thank you. Bless this offering and bless us now as we prepare to hear your word. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship God through giving. All right, our verse this morning comes from Psalm 91. It's Psalm 91 in its entirety. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night or the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread disease that stalks in the darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand uh, fall at your side, though ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. If you will make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home, for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't uh, even hurt your foot on a stone. Uh, You will trample upon lions and cobras. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life, and give them my salvation. This is the word of the Lord. Would you join me in prayer? Jesus, this is your time. We have come to hear from your word, which we've heard read for us, and now we pray that we would hear your word as it is shared through my voice, which we pray really is um, in line with what you want. We pray that the seed that is sown today would produce good fruit, not just in our own lives, but in the lives of the people around us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Well, it's great to see all of you here. I think this is our one-month mark of being at Inglewood Presbyterian Church. That's pretty cool, right? This has been a fun season in the life of our church. 
Many of you know uh, we started as a house church years ago, and then we moved to Peter Kirk Community Center, and then we moved here. And this has all been by God's grace. And I'd like to think that somewhere along the line there was a plan, there was kind of a, a blueprint for this is how you get a church going, this is how you do life together, this is how you eventually come to the place where we can be in a space like this. Uh, I was not there at the very, very beginning, but I came not long after. And I can tell you, if there was a blueprint, I didn't see it. This has been the work of God to bring us here. It has been the work of God to bring you here this morning and for our church to be stepping into this season at this time. And so as we start the year together, as, as we look ahead, I know, you know, New Year's Eve has come and gone. We've probably already written and forgotten our New Year's resolutions. I want to go back to this idea of a blueprint because it's something that's kind of been, been stirring in me. I think the Lord's been stirring this up in me, honestly, since I've been here at Bethany. Some of you can uh, relate to this in your work or in parenting or in your marriage. We operate at a high rate of speed, do we not? I feel like the east side, if, if the whole Puget Sound region is, you know, like a person running on a treadmill, and the region itself is like a six on the treadmill, I feel like the east side is like an eight or a nine. Like, I feel like because we have high-profile companies, we have wicked smart people, we have really wonderful things that are happening in our communities, great schools, there is this sense of running and inertia and movement that is both intoxicating but it can also lead us to be overwhelmed. That's one of the words that I've probably heard the most in my, my conversations, just my, my one-on-ones with people or when I meet with couples. I hear the word overwhelmed. And I've felt it too. I think it's actually okay to be able to say, hey, I feel overwhelmed. I, I think it's, it's a good admission of our brokenness and our need for rescue. Like, I don't think that's a bad thing. If you use the word overwhelmed this last week, don't feel bad. You're in good company. But I have, I have felt overwhelmed at times just in the, the pace of ministry and of, of kind of seeing this church go in these different stages from house church and then into the community center and then our movement here last summer. It's been remarkable. But it's also been easy to kind of feel like, okay, we're just flying toward the next thing. Here's the next target. Here's the next big date. Oh, it's Christmas Eve. Oh, it's Easter. And it's not deeply satisfying if all we're doing is just flying toward things or if we're just reacting instead of responding, instead of coming before God and saying like, God, what do you want to do? You've given me a great opportunity. You've put my kids in great schools. You've given me a good season in my marriage. What do you want? Today, we're going to pause. We're going to reflect on the psalm, but one of the things I hope we walk out of here with later is the beginning of a blueprint for each of us to really set up 2020 as a year when we are with Jesus, when we are at Jesus' feet, when we are asking Jesus to do more, to be more present, to reveal himself more and more to us in incredible ways. And some of you may have already done this. I know many of you well enough to know you've already got your tasks, you've already got your blueprint, you've got your plan. And I know many of you well enough to know that you've blown, a lot of us have just blown by that. So you have a handout in your bulletin And uh, it looks like this. It's got a little grid at the bottom. You can pull that out. You can take notes on it. You can make it into a paper airplane if you want. But we are going to take time at the end of our sermon to kind of go through that and take time and reflect. But at the beginning, 
I want to give you our thesis statement and an outline so we can kind of all follow along. The worksheet will come in a little while. And really, it's just a simple premise. Begin with the end in mind. Will you say that with me? Begin with the end in mind. That's not my phrase. That's a phrase from a book I finally started to get into called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Anybody read this? You're a highly effective person. I mean, that's obvious that you've read this, Joe. This has actually been really, really helpful to me. And I'll tell you who's talked about this book more than anybody I know. Our senior pastor, Richard. He believes in so many of these principles. I'm not here to sell this book. I'm just here to say I have seen it be effective in his life. I want it to be more effective in my life. And one of the things I think I need to start with is begin with the end in mind. What Covey means when he says that is start with a clear understanding of your destination. So if you want to build a house, if you want to build values into your children, if you want to be excellent at work, you need a blueprint. Otherwise, you're just going to do the ready, fire, aim thing. Covey says, start with a clear understanding of your destination. So church, today, I'd like to kind of hold out that God has a destination for each of us and that he wants us to take steps toward that, not through a blueprint that we just sort of get so locked into we never deviate from it, but that there is a pathway for us. And the scriptures, I think, are going to help us understand this deeply. So the thesis, you've already got it. You can even say it with me. Begin with the end in mind. Say it with me. Begin with the end in mind. And the outline is this. Set your desires, and then we'll take time for next steps. It's a two-point outline. It's simple. We're going to keep it simple today, guys. Set your desires. Turn with me to Psalm 91, and we're going to listen to the final uh, three verses again. Ryan read them for us, but I just want to refresh our memories Psalm 91, starting in verse 14. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. The Lord says, I will rescue those who what? Who love me. Those who trust in my name. Those are very similar words in the Hebrew language. Love and trust. And the nation of Israel, the original audience of this psalm, they knew about love and trust like many of us know about it. Because we've suffered. Because there's been pain. You don't don't learn about love and trust by reading books about it necessarily or by trying to get better at it by watching a how-to YouTube video. You learn about love and trust by paying for it by having a measure of suffering or of challenge or of failure in your own life. Isn't failure our greatest teacher? Yoda said it, but I believe it. The nation of Israel experienced failure. They experienced all kinds of suffering. And in this, I believe their love for God was deepened and God's love, which had always been perfect for them, was made that much clearer to them. Think about it. The Israelites, we meet them, and they are this wandering people, and then they move to the nation of Egypt. They're brought into slavery. It gets worse and worse and worse. Finally, God sets them free. They wander in the wilderness for 40 years. This is not fun. Then they finally settle in the promised land, but there's already people in the promised land, so they've got to figure out what to do with the people. There's a civil war. They're torn into two nations. They're conquered by various empires over time. They're oppressed and they're persecuted. And they learned the love of God, not through sunshine and rainbows, but through these dark times in which they saw the faithfulness of God and they learned to trust God and they kept failing. 
And what God promises again and again to his people is not that if they are perfect, he will love them. Not if they hit all the right marks, he will love them. He promises them that because of who he is, he will love them. You hear this all throughout the language of Psalm 91, especially in these last three verses. What God promises again and again is himself. I will be with you. I'm in this for the long haul. I promise never to leave you or forsake you. Verse 14, trust in my name. That Hebrew word there for trust, it can mean literally trust, like you set your foot down on something and you trust that it's going to be steady. You put your trust in the blueprint to build your house or the business plan that you have. But it can also mean where you focus your desires, what you long for, what you hope for. Listen to this. These are just two verses from Deuteronomy. This is God talking about his love for Israel. And that word trust is translated as the word love here. Listen to this. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you, trust to set his desire upon you and chose you. For you were the fewest of all peoples. In other words, you guys weren't impressive, Israel. You weren't this magisterial group of people that had all your stuff together. It was because the Lord loves you. The Lord set his heart in love on your fathers and your mothers and chose their offspring after them as you above all peoples as you are this day. The point I'm trying to make by mention all of this is that God has set his desires on a people. And this is not random, this is not arbitrary, this is God saying, I love this group of people. And I am with them for the long haul. I desire for them to grow and to thrive and to flourish and to see my goodness around them. This is the God that we worship. And Bethany, I want you to hear this morning, I want us to hear this as a people, but also as individuals. God has set his desire on you. God has set his desire on you. You're going, me? Like, what? Me? Like, come on. Like, I, I'm raising my kids. I'm trying to get them through diapers. I'm, I'm a mid-level manager. Like, I'm not so special. Like, what? why would God set his desires on me? It's not about you. He sets his desires on you because he loves you. Because you are what his heart longs for. He has, deset, he has set his desire upon you, church. So how do people respond to this? Some people respond by ignoring it. Some people respond by saying that couldn't possibly be true. I did this for a long time in my life. If God really knew how broken I was, how far I tried to run away from him, he wouldn't love me, he wouldn't welcome me in. Here's the way that we respond to it. By doing our best to reciprocate that love. How will I set my desires upon God? As God has set his desires upon me, longs for me to see him, longs for me to follow him, longs for the life and the adventure that he has for me, how do I respond to that? I respond to that by saying, okay, God, then I want that from you. I want you to be my heart. So I want us to just take a moment and think about this. If we're beginning with the end in mind, the end is you are safe. You are the object of God's heart. He loves you. And you all know this. If you are loved, if you are safe, if you are secure in that love, oh my gosh. The possibilities for what God can do in your life and in my life, they're endless. And so maybe, maybe you want to take a step toward this, but you're not really sure where to start. Maybe, you know, you've heard this, you grew up in church or you've been a Christian for a while. Yeah, I know God loves me. Well, what are you doing about it? 
What's a step? What's a way for you to lean into that? What's a way for you to kind of reciprocate as best as we can, not to earn God's love, but to say, yes, I receive this. I'll just give you an example. Our Christmas Eve little handouts, this thing that says with at the top, there are a bunch of different ways to grow in God's love, to be able to reciprocate that. There are ways to go deeper in prayer. There are ways to read through the whole Bible. There are ways to invest in community. There's going to be some ways coming up for us to build vision for our lives through prayer. And my conviction is, in this season in our life together as a church, we need vision. We need people who come before God and say, God, this isn't my life, this is your life. What would you have me do? What dreams do you want to have take flight through me? For my kids, for my family, for my neighborhood. My conviction is, more than ever, as a shepherd and as a person privileged with leadership, I need to slow down and listen for the voice of God. There's always a to-do list, there's always a bunch of tasks for each of us, and sometimes the hardest one is to slow down and to listen for God's heart. How will you do that? That card that's in your bulletin has some great ways to consider that. I'll add this in too. I'm kind of shrinking down a a point that I made in my outline that I'm not going to go through all the way here. There's a treasure in verse 16 I want to highlight. We, We respond to God by reciprocating that love, by knowing that we are the object of his desires. This is kind of the foundation for that blueprint. And then in verse 16, there's just this treasure that I want us to to pay attention to together. The psalmist writes, I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. I will give them my salvation. The Hebrew word there for salvation is Yeshua. Yeshua. That's one of Jesus' names. That's the way the Hebrew people thought about Messiah. The literal translation of that is, it is someone who rescues, rescued from danger or harm by a savior, Yeshua. And if you're here, I think this is true for most of us, we've had that transformative moment or a series of moments where we've said, Jesus, you are my hope. I want to follow you. You are my salvation. I always hope that there are people in our worship that have not yet made that step, but they're checking it out. They're curious about Jesus. And so often in the church, we talk about how salvation is this, this moment, or it should be a moment, or you prayed this prayer, or you're baptized, and that is good. That is so important, and Jesus talks about that a lot. But the challenge that I think rests upon our shoulders this morning at Bethany is this. We might get the first part of this right. We might get this setting our desires upon God, and we're going to organize our life, and we're going to make a blueprint to read the book, read the Bible in a year, or get better at prayer, all these kind of things, and we'll do that, and our hearts will still be far from God. And what I, what I want to challenge us with is this idea that salvation isn't just about where we are headed. It is not just our ticket to eternity. It is the opportunity to live in a particular way now and to experience God's grace and God's blessings and God's transformation now. Jesus talked about this in John's gospel in my father's house. There are many rooms. I go to prepare a place for you. Yes, he wants us to be with him in eternity. But he also talked about things like seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness and all these things will be added to you. My challenge for us, my challenge for myself, is that we need to be like the Savior in looking for opportunity to build his kingdom, to seek first the kingdom. And the kingdom can't be about us. It has to be bigger than us. 
God, how can I build your kingdom in 2020? Begin with the end in mind. The kingdom is where you belong. The kingdom is this incredible place, but it can happen here. And what I want to say to each of us about this is this. It has to do with your heart. If you want to experience God's kingdom in 2020, where does your heart break? Where have you experienced a broken heart for someone else, for something that is happening in your world where we say, this cannot be, this must change? It doesn't make us the savior to take on that responsibility, but it gives us an opportunity to say, God, you're breaking my heart right now. And I want to pay attention to that. We have uh, a first grader and then a five-year-old and an almost three-year-old. And my first grader goes to uh, Robert Frost Elementary School. And it has a great volunteer program there for dads and dad figures called Watchdogs. So a lot of the schools in Lake Washington and North Shore schools have this. But Watchdog stands for Dads of Great Students. Isn't that fun? So it's really, really simple. And it needs to be because it involves men. You show up and you volunteer for your day at the school. And you're basically just like a teacher's assistant. You're, 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 you're there to just help resource the classroom, right? So you help the teachers with uh, reading to kids, or you play math games. You go out during recess, and you hang out, and you make sure that the animals aren't eating each other. Like, you go, and you're just there as a positive male figure for these kids, many of whom who do not have a positive male figure, or really a positive adult in their life. And it is humbling, it is a privilege, and every single time, Every time I have volunteered to go and serve in this role at my son's school, my heart is broken. A couple of times ago, it was because I sat with a group of kids, a group of second graders, and one kid, we were doing a reading group, one kid could read really, really well, but the kids who came from different backgrounds than I came from, they could not. And it broke my heart, because these are second graders, and they're really struggling. And for that moment in that day, I could be a part of God revealing his kingdom and saying, no, 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 everybody needs an opportunity to learn how to read. And I'm going to play my part in that today. I'm going to help move that ball down the field. The last time I was there, I hung out with a special needs kid pretty much all day long, this kid named Kareem. I, I didn't have it on my agenda. It wasn't in my blueprint that day to hang out with Kareem, but it was an amazing day because he needs a buddy. And he's a bigger kid, and and his emotions are big, and it's hard for him to engage with other kids, but I got to hang out with him. And it was one of the best things that happened to me last year. And my heart broke for Kareem. And my heart breaks for kids in our schools. What does your heart break for? What does it break for? Is it for the conversation around race and racial reconciliation? Oh man, that's a big one. Is it around the marginalized and and this homelessness epidemic, this crisis where where there seems to be so little solutions and so many talking heads? Is it for, for a cause? Is it for something that you believe in deeply and you just can't find the time or the traction? Would you begin with the end in mind and make that something where you go, God, I want to be a part of how you're revealing your kingdom in the schools, in other people's homes, in hospitals, in nursing homes. Who knows where, but you know where. Because God has given you the opportunity to have your heart broken. And it is a wonderful and painful privilege to have your heart broken, is it not? My concern as we live into our calling here, now, in this wonderful space, 
is that we will become comfortable, that we will come to worship and then we'll drop our kids off and we'll have a cup of coffee and we'll head out. But we won't see this place as an opportunity to address those needs of God's kingdom. As an opportunity to say, I want to just pray with people. I want to bring people into this church, my church, where I belong, this place that we call home now. And I want to cook meals for them. And I want to teach kids from marginalized communities in our vacation Bible school. And I want to see people's lives be changed. And I want to see renewal and revival across the east side. I don't want us to miss that. I don't want us to just be so happy that we finally don't have to set up chairs anymore that we miss the chance to see beyond the chairs. I don't want us to miss it. I'm worried that we will. I'm praying that we won't. I want you to pick up that worksheet that I put in front of you. The goal of this is to stir up our hearts to have a vision for what God wants in our lives. And this is just one tool. I know, you know, this whole thing, seven habits of highly effective people, that's very linear, that's very Western. It helps me. And if it doesn't help you, then then do a different thing. I'd love to learn how you do a different thing. But as we think about being overwhelmed, as we think about the future, as we think about practical steps to take, my hope is that this sheet is just a tool that helps shape your desires to be a part of God's kingdom, that helps shape us as a church. One of my dreams for us, since we even talked about moving into this space, something that we've seen at other Bethany churches that have moved into similar spaces is when you get into a space like this, people's creativity for ministry just starts to explode. People come up with amazing ways to reach their neighbors, to do cool things, to use the space well. The first Sunday that we were here, I had three people come up to me and say, hey, I got an idea for ministry. And I went, yes, thank you, God. Because now we get to bring those dreams to life. Use this tool to bring dreams to life that God has given to you. Let this be your blueprint. So when you look down toward the bottom where it says, begin with the end in mind, there's three spots for values. Values are hard to nail down. And if you've done some work with that, like I have, you'll be able to write them out. But if you've never done that, let me just encourage you to consider the last time you were in a place of serious conflict or where you were really under a lot of pressure and you didn't know how to respond, your values might have been revealed through that. I went through a period of time in ministry where there was just a ton of conflict around me and it it hurt deeply and I wasn't sure what to do. And what I learned through that was one of my values is I want to honor people. I want to honor people. And it's hard for me when that value is impinged upon. You will learn what your value through conflict, through the things that have happened to you that have really hurt you deeply. So pay attention to that as you seek to fill in your values. And then if you just look toward the bottom at this grid, again, I know it's linear, but hey, maybe it'll help. There's these different spheres. This is the top row. Personal growth and development, family and friends, vocation, the wider community in our world. What I would hope each of us would do is to take something we value, like honoring people, and then just look at one of those squares and say, God, how do you want me to honor people? How do you want me to honor my family and friends? How do you want me to get better at that in 2020? How can that reveal your kingdom? How can that show people that you are real and that you love them and that you're a part of our world and you made the world? 
If you can't fill in the values part, that's fine. Fill in something that you love about Jesus, his compassion, his mercy, his strength, his wisdom. How would Jesus seek for you to bring that about in each of the areas of influence that we have? And make no mistake, each one of us has the opportunity to influence and to change the world around us. Now, we could just say, like, take off, go home, and do this. I know how I would do that. This would go on my little table where I put our mail, and I would never see it again. So what I would like to offer us now, and I'm going to invite Megan to come join me up here, is just the opportunity to reflect on this. No one's going to check this for you. No one's going to read over this. This is for you and the Lord. But just some time to take a look at this worksheet. Take some time to reflect Take some time and try to fill out part of it or just pray over it. Read through the scripture again. That's why it's on there. God, how would you have me use my values to impact your world? Megan's going to play this song for us and we're going to reflect over this and use this as, as you are able. And then in a little while, I'll pray for us and we'll gather back together again as we come to the Lord's table. My hope, my heartfelt desire for each of us is that this begins to form a blueprint so that in the year ahead, we don't miss out on the adventures God has for us. We don't miss out on the opportunity to do amazing things to help build God's kingdom. So I'll pray for us. Take this hand out, use it, and let's seek God's glory together in 2020. Let's pray. Mighty God, we thank you for this time and we ask now that as we dream, that the dreams that you would fill our hearts with that we get to maybe jot down on this piece of paper, that they would become reality as you desire. Maybe we'll dream about stuff that that you don't want yet or that, that we can't do on our own. Would you steer us toward the pathway that you want? Give us vision. Help this be a blueprint for your church being transformed so that we might look back on this year and go, man, God did amazing things and I could never have imagined becoming the person I am now. Thank you, God. Use this time. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go ahead and continue in your reflection. I'm just going to sing song. Um, It's called Refuge. You're the God who makes a new day. You're the God who paints a new frame You're the God who rolls the clouds away In you I am saved In you I am saved Nothing is Nothing can overcome you. Nothing can stop your breakthrough. 
my God, my refuge. Nothing is hidden from you. Nothing can overcome you. Nothing can stop your breakthrough. My God, my refuge. You're the God who searches every heart. You're the God who knew me from the start. You're the God who tears the clouds apart to rescue my heart. Yeah, you rescue my heart. Nothing is hidden from you. Nothing can overcome you. Nothing can stop your breakthrough, my God, my refuge. Nothing is hidden from you. Nothing can overcome you. Nothing can stop your breakthrough, my God, my refuge. You rescue me cause you delighted me. You rescue me cause you delight in me. You rescued me cause you come now to the Lord's table, and I feel like I'm really far away from you guys. (laughs) We're still figuring this out. This is the first time we've done this, but this this, this is still the Lord's table. We did this for years at the community center, and now we get to do it here. This hasn't changed. The God who welcomes you and welcomes me into this sacred meal, he hasn't changed. 
And so I want to invite you to join me in prayer because we need to prepare our hearts. We can't just come to this table. Um, The song has beautifully prepared us, but let us prepare ourselves further through prayer. Join me in prayer. Gracious God, this is your table. Jesus, you, you set this example for us. You broke bread with people you loved. And for centuries, for millennia, your church has done this. Your church has done this. Your church has done this. Your church has done this.